uh, go for launch. Five. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Anything can happen in the next half hour. Four. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. This whole thing is insane. Three. Quiet, please. I am analyzing. Where's the kaboom? Two. There was supposed to be an earth-shattering kaboom. One. fellow galactic travelers and welcome back to planet eight this is your mission commander larry speaking to you from our hidden base chief engineer bob is here by my side as always in the command center and circling planet eight in our orbital spy satellite is reconnaissance officer karen and on this episode of planet eight we have friend of planet eight will the thrill vaharo uh, Will is responsible for bringing so many of us together. Myself and Karen had known each other for many, many years. We met Bob through Thrillville Theater, which is a cinema cabaret that Will did in the Bay Area. And so many other people in our lives we met through Will. And it's a, an, an honor, actually, Will. And we look very forward to talking to you today. Welcome to Planet Eight. Well, thank you. Thanks, guys. It's good to see you again and hear you. Well, it's about, it's about time that we had you on because we've mentioned you enough on the podcast. So You have? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, so it's you guys starting those rumors. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, this is, seems to be the new way to socialize, and I've been social distancing uh, at least since I moved to Seattle. So I'm way ahead of the, uh, the trend here. <laughs> You're a trendsetter, Will. Always have been. Yeah, and I'm vegan. That's catching on, too. So <laughs> there you that's, go. That's the only food you can find in the supermarket now. I know. I'm a survivor. <laughs> that's because that's people like nobody, meat are hoarding all the beef. Yeah. yeah. Nobody wants, you know, tofu, turkeys, deli slices, except me. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's a good point to bring up with the listeners. At the time of recording this episode, we're still under the COVID-19 self-quarantine and um, we want you guys listening to this. Hopefully we're not under that kind of uh, quarantine anymore. But if we are, please do your part. Let's go ahead and level out this curve um, and get back to life as normal. Um, speaking of normal, this podcast is not going to be such. Um, <laughs> is it ever? <laughs> is it ever? Exactly. <laughs> Will, I got to tell you, I, I, you know, I'm a big fan of, of Thrillville. I love you and Monica to death. I think we're all fans. Um, there were so many great shows, so, so many memories. 
let me ask you, for those who are not aware of the history of Thrillville, how did that, uh, what was the inception of Thrillville? Well, um, it goes back to, uh, I was friends with the uh, founders of Speakeasy Theaters, Kyle and Catherine Fisher, and we were friends since the uh, mid-1980s when I... Mm. It's hard for me to start one story without looping back to another one. So, and my story's <laughs> really long and and not not PG thirteen. So, um, <laughs> anyway, I, I wound up in the Bay Area, age uh, I don't know, early twenties, and I was working as a waitron. They call them at the UC Berkeley Faculty Club, mid eighties, and that's where I met Kyle and Catherine. And at that point, Catherine was already talking about opening a theater, like one she had seen in Washington D.C. that served food and pizza and beer and wine while you watch movies. So back then it was, this is back in the mid eighties. So she held on to that vision for a long time. Meantime, uh, I had a lot of adventures with my writing career. Cause you know, first and foremost, I've always wanted to be a, an, an author and I already had a few novels under my belt, nothing published. So they published one of my novels called love stories to do violent for me in 1995, uh, mm-hmm. under, the, under their small press, wildcard press. And I was the first and only book they ever published because they quickly learned that there's no money in, in that, especially with me. So they, <laughs> they, they moved on quickly to her original dream of opening this kind of theater in California because California at the time had none. Oregon had a bunch, so they went up there and did some reconnaissance with the Minimates chain, which really set the gold standard. And then they, they were looking for sites to reopen, and they eventually landed on the Parkway Theater in uh, you know Lake Merritt District. And they, you know, it's an old classic theater and they just put in some couches and, you know, just uh, refurbished it, the projection booth and the screens are pretty much as is. Uh, and it took off pretty quickly. I mean, there's nothing like it in California, the Bay Area or California at the time. And I was on board right away uh, taking tickets. And then uh, at the time I was coming off my first so-called marriage, which lasted a few weeks. And... Uh, <laughs> I was staying with Kyle and Catherine. I was kind of homeless. Uh, so uh, they gave me a job there. And then I got a full-time job elsewhere. And I was able to move out and get my own place around the around the lake. And then I was getting, while I was still in the midst of divorcing this woman who was in AA, uh, she became my first lovely assistant in uh, my show, even though we served beer. So that was all doomed. And the uh, concept of the show was they asked me to just, uh, I was the movie guy. You know, Catherine was a, sh- was a chef and Kyle was in the law, entertainment law. So I, I brought in the movie knowledge. So mm-hmm. I wasn't a programmer yet, but they asked me to program my own show and host it. And I came up with Will the Thrill when I was driving uh, for the uh, ACCMA blood bank in Oakland. <laughs> oh, you okay there, buddy? Oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. All right. I'm gonna, I'll just step back from this. We may have to check him into the blood bank here in a minute. Uh, Okay. <laughs> well, one of the drivers there called me Will the Thrill because of Will the Thrill Clark. And I've never been a baseball fan. He played for the Giants, so he would call me Will the Thrill. So I, that stuck That stuck to me. And at the time, I'd always been into, like, uh, you know, the Rat Pack and Pulp Fiction and Betty Page and uh, old B movies and stuff. And that stuff, interest in that stuff was cresting in the mid-'90s thanks to Tarantino's Pulp Fiction and mm-hmm. uh, then later Swingers. And then the Tiki culture was just um, uh, coming up from underground, thanks to Otto von Stroheim and his Tiki News uh, publication. Yep. And bands in the 80s, like the Cramps, a lot of punk bands were really into that stuff before it got uh, popular. And there was always already an underground scene that was bubbling up. And I was also ahead of that curve. I was in this stuff way before it was trendy, just mm-hmm. like listening. Um, so... Um, 
Back then, I was social distancing. I didn't even know it. <laughs> Not always uh, voluntarily. Quickly came together where I, I just threw together this persona of a lounge lizard, kind of inspired by Buddy Love, the original Buddy Love, the Jerry oh. Lewis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I didn't know. I had no. I didn't really have any stage experience. My I went. I was hosting Elvis parties twice a year: Elvis B Day, January eighth, and Elvis D Day, August sixteenth. Which will factor into the story in a more important way for a few years. But they were informal, and we had me and my friends put them together. And uh, I, my, um, what are you taking a picture there of? Okay, uh, the screen. All right, it's none of my business. <laughs> Behind the scenes here. You're Ultraman? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Uh, Okay, Hayata. Anyway, um, Mr. Beta Capsule. So anyway, uh, so I forgot. It's PG-13. Never mind. Beta Capsule. That's innocent. No no metaphors. No metaphors. Yeah. Anyway, no metaphors and no bad words. Okay. Anyway, so anyway. So anyway, where was I? So yeah, so I was, I, that's the only thing experience I had. And my stepmother, Anne Helm, was in an Elvis movie called That Dream. And through her, I met some other Elvis babes, quote unquote, like Julie Paris from Paradise and Wine Style, Yvonne Craig, who was in It Happened at the World's Fair, and a few yep. others. I also was interviewing them for this magazine I wrote for called Film Facts, and their sister mm-hmm. magazine, New Trace. So all this kind of came together. So they knew I was doing that. So they said, well, you know, you, you, can, you can host an event. And so I created, threw together this persona, and we did it midnights on Saturday in, in a crime-ridden o- neighborhood in Oakland. So not many people, but I had free reign. So I booked all these old AIP, American International Pictures movies, because through this, uh, mostly through this distributor that's now gone, uh, Kip Parker. So I was showing, you know, um, all the old uh, monster movies from the 50s, the ones I could get. Uh, they had prints mm-hmm. that I put on the retail. Because these 35-millimeter prints were still the industry standard then. Uh, so, and then I would show, you know, the biker movies and the druggy movies, you know, and, and all these movies that I loved, you know, that were obscure to most, but I was able to share them with an audience, which was quite quote unquote thrilling. And there was this big carnival wheel there that became iconic that just came with the property. So my first wife uh, spun that a little bit and then that didn't work out. So then I was auditioning new lovely assistants and as it turned out, new wives. And one night I showed Jailhouse Rock. <laughs> On May 31st, 1997, and uh, this hot Latina chick came to see it. And can I say that? Well, I already said it. So <laughs> you'll find me on Twitter if you want to, like, give me crap about saying hot Latina chick. So, uh, but she is. She's all three of those things. So anyway, uh, she walked in, and she was with some other guy, and I was like, wow, man. She showed me her Elvis tattoo, which was tastefully placed on her lower right hip, and it was inside of a Navajo signal because she's also part Native American. Mm. And Chris Monica, and uh, I thought she was Italian. I'm from New Jersey, and I just remember I said, "So are you a WAP?" And she goes, "Excuse me," and like you know, Italian. You know, I'm from New Jersey. She says, "No." And so, hey man, whatever I said, we're still married. So you know, I said something. Right? <laughs> so, but anyway, we didn't get together that night. She came in, and I chose her from the audience, of course, to spin the wheel, and I gave her this Elvis blanket, and I never thought I'd see her again. And she told me later she got really sick that night from the pizza and was like sick for a while. Mm-hmm. But what happened was, this is May 31st, 1997, January 8th, 1998, I'm hosting an Elvis birthday party at the Ivy Room in Albany, nearby, Albany, California. And I'm, I was bored and depressed as usual. Uh, and uh, the show was just kind of, eh, you know, it wasn't really taken off, but I was, you know, something to do on Saturday night at midnight, you know. Um, and I was getting a little bit of a following. 
Uh, and then uh, I was just about actually leave my own party. I was so depressed. And who walks up to the door but Monica with the same guy? Uh, so I thought maybe they were an item. So I like, wow. She goes, you're the guy that gave me that Elvis towel. I said, yeah. So, you know, she turned out she was a big Elvis fan. So mm. she was party and just showed up right when I was about to leave. If I had left two seconds earlier, none of us could have ever might have never met because I don't think I would have continued doing the show. I don't even know if I'd still be around. So anyway, she came in and I stayed for my own party. And then uh, I gave her my phone number in the back of a picture of Elvis. I put the onus on her. She could call me if she wanted to go out. And I was kind of dating then. I was just divorced from my semi-wife. So I was semi-divorced. Hey, did someone just break wind? Is that allowed? That wasn't me. <laughs> Somebody made some noise. I don't know what it was. But. Swear to God, it was a motorcycle. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. That's Larry's a- revving it up over there. So, uh, with his Ultraman, yeah, put your pants away. So, yeah. put Ultraman away. So, then, uh, anyway, so uh, anyway, so we got together, and and uh, she she started. I, she just for once in my life, I was in my mid thirties. There was a uh, a woman who accepted me just just as I was, which was kind of a mess. But she she saw you know uh, a little diamond in there in the rough, and so we just we were instantly really good friends and um we were just together uh, from our first day so uh so she started co-hosting the show as my regular lovely assistant so spinning the wheel and giving out prizes and whatnot and i just called her monica tiki goddess and like you guys she didn't really know what tiki culture was <laughs> and then she became the tiki goddess and uh so we did the show at midnight for a while and monica and i um we, we already like we just hit it off. We were both into the same kind of music and retro culture and stuff. She wasn't quite into the exploitation movies like I was, but we liked a lot of the, the old music and stuff and a lot of the fashions. Um, so, and we would take trips around the Palm Springs and Tahoe. And I discovered this place called the Calneva Lodge in North Tahoe that Sinatra used to own. And I yeah. booked out for a wedding on May 31st, 2001, before we even, I even proposed to her. Cause we, wow. you know, we like to plan ahead and we weren't together then, whatever, but we were. And we got married then and we had the, Mariachi's doing Elvis and Rat Pack music, and uh, you know, <laughs> we had free martinis in the Frank Sinatra Slimy showroom, so that was the ultimate thrill bill event. But meantime, before that, the show started taking off, and we eventually moved it to uh, our first uh, 1999 January 8th Elvis B Day. I showed a 35 millimeter print of, G- of Viva Las Vegas, and it sold out. No, actually, no, that was a midnight show, that was our last midnight show, January 8th, 1998, and it sold out. And that was the first time we'd ever sold out a show mm. and other time. So the management, Kyle was impressed. So the following week I booked swingers that sold out. So then we realized we got to move this to prime time. So then they gave me the Thursday prime time slot at nine. And that's when the midnight lounge as it was called then became Thrillville. I just called it Thrillville theater. Cause I had already, uh, I'd actually been on this, you know, John, Jan wall, who's a local film personality there. I was on her local cable show and I kind of made up Thrillville on the spot. She, she's asking me about my life, my childhood. And I said, I, you know, I lived in this fantasy world and eventually that evolved into <clears throat> this world inside my head that I called Thrillville. And it's mm-hmm. all on YouTube. If you look up Will, Will O'Hara, Jan Wall, uh, I just kind of made it up there. So that's when they, we converted the show to a primetime show. Uh, I, it, I just called it Thrillville theater. So there you go. And then we started adding live acts, uh, burlesque, 
uh, retro bands because at that point I started meeting a lot of people into this retro culture and I had this great showcase and the parkway was getting very popular. So everything kind of dovetailed. And originally they had asked me to create the show and host it to promote the book they published, Love Stories to Violent for Me, mm-hmm. which basically got forgotten because the show took off. So that became my dominant persona. So I had never planned on this. I never wanted to be a, uh, an impresario. And I know you guys love horror hosts, and I grew up with Doc Shock out of Philly and South Jersey in the 70s. And so I love that stuff, but I never wanted to be a host. I'm like Mr. Lobo or Lobo Blood Raw. They wanted to be horror hosts. And I wasn't really a horror host. I was this lounge wizard who just showed whatever I wanted. So it's more, it more about retro pop culture in general than just horror. So, um, but anyway, that, you know, the, the writing kind of, I stopped writing fiction for a long time. And then in like 2001, as you guys know, the year I got married, uh, Christian Slater found a copy of Love Stories and Tuvana for me at a bookstore in L.A. and tracked me down and optioned it. And then that's a whole other story. So, um, right. but anyway, that's uh, and that's why I now I have Thrillville Press, which is where all my books are. So, that's kind of Thrillville in a very, very big nutshell. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening. That's about all the time we have. I'm just kidding. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Get out of that. Down. I, I gotta ask though. Uh, who? So, who was that guy with Monica? Did you like bump him off and throw him in an alley or something, that's, or what? This, like, oh my God, so I have story. Who's that guy with Monica? Were you banging that guy? Anything else? Oh my gosh! Uh, All right, so uh, so what were some of your highlights at Trovo? What were your favorite shows that you did? Um. Well, of course, Creature Features, the Creature Features reunions with Bob Wilkins and John Stanley and the late Bob Shaw and, and the late Bob Wilkins, unfortunately. Uh, as you guys know, that started in 2000. And I, like I said, I, I loved horror hosts, but I didn't, I didn't know about Bob Wilkins because I moved when I moved to the Bay Area mid-80s, John Stanley was just going off the air. And I didn't really watch TV then except Miami Vice. So mm-hmm. I didn't know any of these guys, and some of the locals told me about Bob Wilkins, and I tracked him down, actually, and, and interviewed him for the Parkway News, which is that, remember that newspaper we used to do for the yep. theater? Okay. I, I, used to, I used to edit and write for him. So I uh, interviewed him, and then, you know, people just came to me saying, I know this guy, I know this guy, and so we, we talked Bob in, a, in a, appearing at a show, and then we had Doug Jones and recreate the set from Creature Features, and you guys were so excited because he was a local legend. And, oh, yeah. and he became an integral part of Thrillville because we did that every Halloween for a while. And John Stanley joined, and uh, those were those were great, big deal. There's there's uh, videos of the shows on my YouTube, YouTube channel, some of them. And then of course, shows with Ray Dennis Steckler, uh, who I I I liked the Incredible Strange Creatures and Stop Living and Pay Mix Up Zombies when I was a kid. And uh, you know I read about him in the um, research books, Incredibly Strange films and uh, and all those guys Ted V. Michaels and uh, who I later became friends with as well so anyway somehow I hooked up with Ray and he lived in Vegas and he ran a video store there and he would drive out from Vegas with his kids and bring prints the only prints he had of the incredibly strange creatures and the thrill killers and Rafika Boo Boo and um, and Lemon Grove kids and he'd show up he brought Herb, Herb Robbins uh, up from Sacramento and uh, who was in a bunch of them and you think I talk a lot. Those guys, you guys were there those nights. <laughs> <laughs> Rarely could those be- so he, he would come in and he was, he was just so into it, man. I mean, cause he, he just had a really neat niche following and, and people love that. So 
I, I love those shows, and you know, and I, you know, I have some other favorites. Uh, the night I show Mothra three times, like I kept they kept sending me screwed up prints. Like the first time in Thrillville, the Midnight Lounge just sent me a print with no sound at all. So of course, we'll improvise the entire film. And then next time they sent me a print uh, with sound, but it was only in Japanese with no subtitles. And so we did the same thing, but at least we had an idea. You know, there was sound. And then the thing, the third time was the charm, except there were sound slugs. So there were bits of the film that had no sound, but the rest of the film had sound. So I never had a perfect print of Mothra. Uh, and then, like, um, remember Uncle Bill, the Trailer King? He would provide yeah. Oh, yeah. a lot. And then, like, he won, He used to give me these wild prints from his collection. One time he, uh, I booked uh, Hercules in the Haunted World, Mario Bava's film. I, that's what I thought it was. But only the middle three reels were Hercules in the Haunted World. The two reels on the end were Hercules uh, and Captive Women. <laughs> I remember that. <laughs> yeah. So Hercules went from, uh, from Atlantis to Hades and back, or vice versa. But it was the same actor playing Hercules, so I don't think anyone even noticed. So, <laughs> You know, after that first bottle of wine, I didn't notice. Exactly. Well, that's the advantage of serving beer and wine at the theaters. Like. <laughs> so uh, that helped. That helped. I mean, yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of those, a lot of the nights that were like completely screwed up are some of my favorite nights, which were a lot of them. So, because uh, we had to make, we had to have fun with it. So it was, it was really about the community and I'm, and uh, that, and not just the movie. So I'm really, you call me an organizer. This stuff just kind of happened, man. I, I was never much of a party guy or a social guy. And this, I just was given this opportunity and I ran with it. And a lot of it was the allure of the parkway of the venue. It was a perfect match of concept and venue. So I think that's what it was. And then you guys helped make it what it was just by showing up. Well, I appreciate that. And like I was saying before we started recording, uh, Karen and I met Bob through Thrillville. Uh, we, you know, Project Pimento, who uh, uh, yep. graciously allows us to use their their uh, covers on our podcast through Thrillville. And obviously you and Monica, um, you know, lifelong friendships. Um, so it, it was, that's right, Lord Blood Rye. He's been on here a couple of times as well uh, with us. Yeah. So it was, uh, it was cool. You know, I, I have so many fond memories, especially Bob Wilkins, John Stanley, but I remember there was a shat fest that you did. Oh no. Oh, oh no. Shat fest. How could I forget that? Yeah. That, that was, became an annual thing. Yeah. Every, and for those of you that have no idea what a shat fest, it had nothing to do with, <laughs> with what you're thinking. Not a it was, yeah. Right. It was a celebration of William Shatner. And, uh, you know, we saw White Comanche. Incubus. Uh, Incubus. Oh, God, that was just classic. That was, that was but the first one, we were at the first one, uh, which was Impulse. It was Impulse, yes. I was oh, at, I, yeah, I was yeah, at yeah. all the Shat Fests. I, I think I was, too. Yeah. Yeah, um, that, was, yeah that was such a big hit, we just had to do it every year. There, there was one in particular when you moved from the parkway to the, it was a Cerrito, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a, a blind guy that came from uh, had to be been Berkeley. It was one of the universities. And he, you know, he, he couldn't see the movie, but he came for for you to, to hear your ad living and, you know, the, the persona of Will the Thrill. And, uh, you know, he, he didn't even Monica didn't even have to spin the wheel. He, he, you know, he got a prize. Every Thrillville, they'd spin the wheel and, you'd, you know, there were prizes, many prizes, lovely prizes were. Oh, this uh, was just crap that my house wanted to get rid of, but yeah. 
Well, we kind of borrowed from that, Will. And when we have our live shows, we kind of, well, it's not crap, but uh, things that didn't quite make it to the censor sweep. But that was one of the most endearing and sweet moments in Thrillville that this guy could share in 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 what Thrillville was, because it was like a celebration of of us, you know, whether you were into sci-fi or science fiction or, you know, whatever it was, it was a celebration of us. It was a party and we were so lucky to have it week after week after week. Um, well, it got to the point where you just go to Thrillville. It didn't really matter what the movie was. It's just, hey, right. Thrillville's on this week, so let's head over there. I really love Bob's. I really love Bob's delivery. He's like Stephen Wright. He's like this really like deadpan <laughs> comic. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it was just wonderful. Persona there, Bob. That's the uh, you know, Diane. The other thing I enjoyed uh, and miss with Thrillville is obviously, you know, the group experience watching something. And um, for the most part, the audiences were, were good. I, I'm not a big fan of Mystery Science Theater and heckling out at the, you know, movie and, and this, that and the other. Um, there were so many great films, Will, that I never would have watched had it not been for Thrillville. And the first one that comes to mind is Eyes Without a Face. Oh, God, that's uh, a masterpiece. Jeez, I really, it really, really is. It's French, isn't it? And that was a that was a good movie I showed. I sometimes show good movies. Yeah, no, <laughs> well, why, why, how did that right? happen? No, no, it's French, nineteen fifty nine. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, I, that's a haunting film. That's just mm-hmm. a movie. That's really poetic. Yeah, no, I know. Well, not all my films were poetic. <laughs> um, maybe Bukowski poetry but um, the, uh, I remember the night we had a night I showed The Girl Can't Help It and uh, <laughs> with the Devilettes yes. and Rob, Rob Nielsen was filming us for an independent film he was shooting that he used later he intercut later um, that with, with Thrillville featuring Thrillville but anyway what made that night especially memorable it was packed it was sold out and the print showed up the day before with only two reels, and they were trashed. So I had no movie. And this is before it was on DVD. Right. So I had to actually go home and get my copy I taped off AMC. So we showed that. So I had to tell people who were new to the show, I don't always just like pull something off my shelf, some crap I taped off TV, <laughs> theater, uh, with you know, and just suck you in with the burlesque bands. Unfortunately, we had the Netflix there, but yeah, and the AMC logo would pop up. And I think and this is before they had a lot of commercials, fortunately. So right, yeah. So that kind of encapsulated my whole approach uh, to the uh, whole thing. Well, man, it was it was a lot of fun, and um, you know, I remember there was um, the first time I saw uh, Dolomite, uh, Karen and I. Oh wow. Yeah. That night. <laughs> I sold out too. That was a great. That was a great night. Oh God, it was fantastic. That was and an experience. You, you did a. Uh, uh, you hosted at the Grand Lake, and it was. Uh, oh oh Black God. Dynamite. Black Dynamite. Yes, Black Dynamite. Years later, yeah, like, that was a, that was fun. Yeah, and the stars were there. Director was there. That's a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> so, Will, what do you think makes a great B movie? What's what are the components that go into a, a great B film? Uh, boobs. <laughs> <laughs> In both senses of the word. Uh, 
So, uh, but beside that, yeah, you know, B, you know, breasts, beasts, blood, brains. Um, so it's, it's hard to say because uh, for me, when I was growing up, I liked a lot of those old fifties movies because I was enamored with the era. I was, you know, grew up in the seventies. So the fifties just looked so exotic and romantic. And then I kind of outgrew that, although I like the aesthetics. So it's, you know, as I, as I've gotten older, my tastes have evolved or devolved. Uh, so, uh, is that you again, Larry? Another <laughs> motorcycle. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, what, what the heck was I saying? What was I talking about? Your taste had devolved. How you were devolving? Oh yeah, my taste had devolved. This has my brain has melted over the years. So I, I think B movie. It's you no, know, they're all they're cheap and they're exploitative, but they're sincere. Like these guys didn't have much money, and they had to use their they had to compensate with their imagination and just their wits. So and also there are also incidental or accidental time capsules because a lot of them are shot location. Even it was over by Robot Monster Cave, we we called it Bronson Bronson Canyon, which you saw pop up how many times. Uh, they just had to you know they had like two weeks or ten days or you know four hours to shoot this thing on my shoestring budget and there's just a charm to it so a lot a lot of the uh, appeal is incidental because they happen to capture a certain era and a certain place in time. Uh, but there's something about a guy in a rubber suit with a zipper up the back chasing some <laughs> big in a bikini that is just priceless, man. So, uh, and then, you know, later on I got more to the grindhouse cinema, uh, which was like, would took the core concepts of B movies and just, because in the seventies there was no censorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I kind of prefer those these days. Um, but, um, what happened then in the seventies was Lucas and Spielberg saw what was going on in the drive-ins. And uh, and they basically co-opted that for the the multiplexes. So they took like B movie concepts and gave them you know million dollar budgets, and then you had Jaws and Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark. It was the same thing. It was the same thing. Just having fun with these cheap pulpy thrills. But they they made them uh, they gave them widespread mainstream appeal. And then a lot of that stuff uh, you know driving started to disappear. And they found a new home on video. So I think that the uh, Appeal of Thrillville for a lot of these people who knew these films, or even those who didn't, was that you could see them again in all their glory at 35 millimeter in a communal setting with beer. So maybe you were a kid, you only had popcorn or you know soda, but now you get your grown up and you can sit on a couch with beer and watch you know some schlocky movie you, you saw on TV years ago, but on a big screen with a bunch of other people who remembered it or you know and seeing it for the first time. So right, I think that was the appeal then. <clears throat> You know, I mean, that was that was the big thing, just seeing these movies on the big screen. And that's kind of where my group Bay Area Film Events kind of was born was right. we were sitting in the audience right. and talking about, hey, we can show some movies and do some stuff. And yeah, it was just uh, I'm like this Yahoo with a Fez hat can do it. We can do it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, we were going to see movies like at the Egyptian in Hollywood. And they'd be all very serious and talking about the film and, you know, how it is art. And then uh, then there was Thrillville, and we thought, well, there's there's got to be a happy medium that we could hit in between. But no, I, I always tell the story about I went down to Hollywood one time, and I went to the Egyptian to see Inframan. Oh and, yeah, I, which I showed once. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I saw it at the Egyptian in Hollywood, and you know the the audience was like dead silent watching this movie. Oh yeah. And then two weeks later, you showed it at Thrillville. Oh. And it was the exact opposite. Everybody's like whooping it up and having a blast. And yeah, that was like, that's where I definitely saw, you know, here's the contrast, you know. 
a, an audience that takes Inframan seriously and then one that, you know, has fun with it. Or doesn't get it at all. Why? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, but there, you also did, what was it, uh, Double D Avenger. I said, I don't know if Bill Winkler's listening into this or not, but, you know, he was there and, yeah, Raven De La Croix, De La Croix and, yeah, it was a fun night. I'm still, well, I'm still friends with, yeah, Raven, who was in Russ Meyer's Up, not to be confused with a Disney film of the same name. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone listening, if you go to the store or you go to Netflix or wherever, and look up, it's not going to be this one. She's not, she's not in that one. Thank you for clarifying that, buddy. Okay. This was called out for a different reason. <laughs> But you also, you know, you were talking about the Creature Features Night and that, and you, you, you know, you kind of like, it kept getting bigger and bigger. You had like Son of Ghoul at one of them, and you had like a whole gaggle of horror well, hosts are, at a few. Oh, you so, know, horror host Palooza became yeah, an yeah. annual thing. And uh, mm-hmm. Lobo would show, because Lobo was a frequent guest. Uh, and then uh, Ms. Monster. And then uh, Rock and Roll Ray came out from the Midwest, Rock and Roll Ray. And then uh, Son of Ghoul was also from the Midwest. And, uh, and then, uh, what's his name? Ghoulfinger. So that was the first one in 2005, I believe. I showed Dracula versus Frankenstein and Astro Zombies, also Ted yes. White. Oh, no. Double D Avenger was, Double D Avenger was paired with Mark of the Astro Zombies. That was Ted D. Michaels. Oh, yeah. So mm-hmm. it, was, it was kind of a, it was kind of Russ Meyer, hey, what are they doing now kind of thing. Uh, anyway, yeah. Yeah, so that, that was another that was another big night. So we had a few horror hosts, Palooza's, and then John Stanley, of course, would be one of the horror hosts. Um, so uh, that, those are, yeah. Well, now, if memory serves you, uh, you played I Was a Teenage Werewolf at Thrillville, right? I showed it because once Thrillville took off and had some notoriety, I was getting a lot of local press. I was uh, other venues expressing interest, and I don't want to. I don't want to, you know, compete against the Parkway. But every now and then, I would do a road show. Like we we did. Um, I was a teenage werewolf for sixteen millimeter print. I was a teenage werewolf. My favorite B movie uh, since I was a kid, and we mm-hmm. at the fine arts in Berkeley, the, the fine arts, uh, the old fine arts. And uh, I, Kid Parker, like I said, was the distributor, and then they went out of business right afterwards, right after I showed it. So I hung on to the 16 millimeter print because they were gone. And then a couple of years later, I was doing shows at Copia up in Napa. I remember that? We do out, uh, annual Halloween shows and I booked yes. out Teenage Werewolf. And then I heard from Susan Nicholson's uh, attorney who was also her husband. So she pulled, uh, she took the print from me and so that was canceled. So I booked, I think, something else instead, The Spider, I think, which was uh, Earth versus The Spider or something. I don't remember what I booked instead. So a lot of those AIP titles now are all up for grabs and, and Susan Nicholson is sitting on a bunch of them and, you know, Sam Markoff has some others and, you know, Corman has some others. So they became increasingly frustrating as a programmer, to be honest with you, because by then I was programming the entire theater. I mean, the fun stuff I liked had booked at Thrillville and then I just booked second run stuff and other special events for the, you know, the other rest of the time at the theater. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was hard to be a programmer, man, just, just figuring out rights for stuff and availability and prices and, you know, but uh, like you guys, I learned on the job, so I just figured it out as I went. Well, that's kind of the thing. As these as these B movies have gotten more and more popular, it's like all these people come out of the woodworks and claim rights and claim that they own this and that, and then yeah, it gets tough. Wade Williams. That's all I yeah, have to yeah. Say. Uh, 
Yeah. So anyway, but you know, I that's I don't miss that aspect of the business. But uh, the only thing I do miss uh, are my friends. But we're still friends, so I don't have to miss you. So there I mean, you except, go. except I'm up in Seattle now, so I don't see as much. In fact, this is the first time I've been face to face with you, so to you know, so to speak, since I was back in the Bay Area in 2015 uh, doing that book signing at Forbidden Island. That's where right. I, where I hosted movie nights uh, after the parkway closed. Uh, Forbidden yep. Yeah. So I did a tiki bar, tiki lounge movie night. Uh, once a week or something, once a month, I don't remember. Forbidden Thrills. So Thrillville has had many incarnations. And then? We're still, <laughs> okay. still going strong up in Seattle. Uh, I'm walking dogs. You're, yeah. you're doing you're doing book readings. I, I see that, you know, Noir at the Bar. and. Uh, well, I yeah, hosted this local <laughs> chapter of something called Noir at the Bar, which is, like it sounds, it's like crime writers reading from the books at you know, venues, and usually in bars. Yeah, I'm also always associated with alcohol. People have to be drunk to put up with me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, but I did that for a couple of years, and then I handed it off to someone else. But uh, it was a good, it was a good, uh, it, it was fun. You know, I did some local networking, and I met a lot of local authors, which is good because when I moved up here, I really focused exclusively on my writing. The movie with Christian Slater obviously never happened, but it came really close. But that opened up other. Uh, opportunities for me and Love Stories Do Violent For Me was reissued in 2013 Christian on the on the cover and then I wrote a sequel to that that the same publisher Gutter Books published called Hard Boiled Art that's what that's what I did the reading at uh, Forbidden Island and then I uh, Thrillville Press has just published a, um, a bunch of books since then Bob's looking at his watch you can't tell but I can because I have <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's my cue to wrap it up no no I just got I just got a text even though my phone's off my oh. magic watch still text, texted Dick through Tracy okay Dick Tracy that's right that was hey, the boss my dog I got a text on my phone on my watch <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just a little, little ticker tape across the front of the watch there. <laughs> okay, Dick Tracy. All right. So, what, you got to go? No, no, we're good. Keep going. Okay, you awake? I am. Right. You know, Monica slept through all those movies because we had couches. So, she, she when I showed like a film noir or a good movie, she'd stay awake. But that, that didn't happen very often. Yeah, <laughs> she she would go up there, spin the wheel, do the intro, and then back to the couch, and then that was it till the end of the night. She was mommy. She was just like, okay, all right, kids, she's gonna lay down the rules. Everyone be nice, no running around <laughs> That's naked. Right. Okay. And then I'm gonna take a nap. That <laughs> fun. Don't make too much noise. You know, I, just one of the best wives ever. You know, she was there for almost every she's single night. She's the best wife I've ever had. There you go. Amen to that. We got to love and know and love Monica as much as we got to know and love you uh, over the years. You guys are a, a perfect couple and a perfect team. Well, she's up here working on her dissertation. She, she's about to, she's finishing up her um, uh, studies at the University of Washington Drama School, School of Drama. So she's, yeah, so that's what she's doing. That's cool. So everybody's moved on and branched out. But why don't you talk a little bit about some of your books? Because you've got a few out. I don't think we, we can't do that on a family show. Um, <laughs> well, in, in broad terms. Broad terms? Yeah, that's right. To broad terms. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm, I'm happy to say I have... Well, I have one of the original copies of Love Stories Are Too Violent for Me. The one that, that Colin Catherine put out through Wild. That's right. That's right, yeah. So. Signed by the author. Well, my first book was actually family friendly. It was called Chumpy Walnut. I wrote it when I was a you know a teenager, but a guy yeah. I was a foot tall and was very 
it was inspired by the stories of Damon Runyon. It was like Guys and Dolls kind of, but with this little fantasy element. And, uh, man, so, but after that, I just, uh, especially when I put writing aside after the parkway took off, when I went back to it after the parkway closed, I picked up this novel I was writing, it started called The Mermaid Drowns in the Midnight Lounge, which was named after my show, The Midnight Lounge. And I only read like 30 pages. And when I went back to it and finished it, it morphed into this just completely, you know, wild, surrealistic, Lynchian, uh, you know, erotic nightmare. Can I say erotic? Is that okay? Yeah. Sure. You're fine with that. Don't Google that, kids. Um, <laughs> it's E-R-O-T. I don't know how to spell it. <laughs> so anyway, so Midnight Drowns, which is still my favorite. And then after that, I had some other backlog stuff. So I started... I had been traditionally published and I did a lot of magazine stuff, but I decided to just do it myself. And I know a lot of artists from who did my posters, so they did my book covers. So I issued some of my manuscripts lying around. I typed them up and I had an edited and I put them out through Lulu. More of the Vic Valentine sequels to love stories to do for me, like Fate is My Pimp and uh, stuff like that. And I was still getting checks from Christian occasionally, so I still had that dream alive at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, Lavender Blonde, Down in Dark Alley, and then... Uh, this guy, Scott Folks, I knew from, from Midden Island, hired me to write a couple of science fiction novels with him because he wanted to put his scientific theories into a book. So he gave me a skeletal outline and I wrote this whole pulp novel that he put his scientific theories in. I think they're scientific theories. They could be like how to make a bomb. I don't even know. I never seen them. So, um, but anyway, so I, that's really consumed me the, since uh, Thrillville has a live show uh, kind of faded away. Because remember, I took it on the road after the parkway closed. We did it in San Jose at the Balboa in San Francisco and right. uh, the Four Star and, uh, you know, different places around the Bay Area. I used to do stuff at the Tiki Oasis down in San Diego, movie nights right. there. So, you know, I kept it going for a while. Then we did the Tiki Night, uh, Bitten Island uh, Tiki Bar movie nights. Yeah, but then you know, I, I felt it was time to move on, and I, you know, the movie deal finally collapsed in 2015 after coming really close uh, with Christian. I was anyway, it's a long story, and I decided to move up here because I missed uh, seasons, you know. So uh, that's why I've been in Seattle. And other than Noir at the Bar, I've kept a pretty low profile. I've just been focusing on the books. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I've put out like eight since I moved up here. So um, I'm really proud of them, um, and. Uh, you know, when, when you're 21, uh, just go to thrillville.net and click fiction. <laughs> we'll put your stuff up on the website, Will. Let me ask you, you know, it, it's been a number of years since your last Thrillville show. And yeah. uh, most of the films were, you know, 50s, 70s. But uh-huh. if you were to do one more Thrillville, is there anything that you've seen, uh, what, in the last five, 10 years that you think would be Thrillville worthy? A lot. Um, but let me think specifically. Uh, oh, man, because my favorite filmmakers actually are David Lynch and Jim Jarmusch. But yeah. I think what you're talking about is something that has the elements, those exploitation elements uh, of, of the old B movies. But they're, you know, they're more current. Right. So, uh, let me think on that a bit. Let's talk about something else because okay. I'd, I'd have to go look at my shelf. But I mean, I, I can, you know, I, I'm always programming movie nights here in the thrill pad, as I call my little humble apartment right for those that'll follow will on facebook he's or twitter he's always posting you know tonight in the thrill pad and it's usually a double feature um well let me ask you this you and i had talked uh before uh, recording um it reminds me of uh 
the Godfather Part Three, where you know Michael Corleone's like, every time I try to get out, they pull me back in. Yep. You're going to be doing some things for the new Parkway. Well, it took a global pandemic, but looks like through the like hung up the press for good, and then this happened. I'm like, oh man. So uh, the new parkway, the new parkway, which we, you know that we opened in 2012, um, different owners, similar concept, uh, and I, I, we did Thrillville there for a while, and that's when I started having guest hosts like Lord Blood Raw and the and and stuff to to co-host. I would host it occasionally, so I, I became friends with the guys at the new parkway, and I still do do stuff for them remotely. So speaking of which, uh, when the, all this happened, the world fell apart, uh, they contacted me about the hosting an online movie club. Now, keep in mind, uh, a week ago, I didn't know what a movie club was online, or a few days ago. Of course, two weeks ago, I didn't really know what a global pandemic was. So, um, uh, Larry. Um, so cue pandemic. He caught right on cue. So um, I've always made Larry a little sick. It's okay. Um, <laughs> so just a little nauseous, but you know. Larry, Larry will be in quarantine after the episode. Yeah. So, so um, uh, but anyway, so it's called Thrillville Movie Club, and the first one's going to be this Saturday. Well, it'll be over by the time this is aired, but I'm, I'm going to do them as long as uh, the Parkway is closed during this crisis. Uh, every Saturday, and it's just a discussion group. So I'm using something called Zoom. Monica, fortunately, uses it a lot in her online teaching, so she's, she's teaching me kind of how to use it. So I pick a movie, and then every week we talk about it. The first one is Blue Velvet, which was the very first movie I ever showed at the Midnight Lounge in April 1997. Mm. So um, I'm thinking more about what you asked me before, though, about what movies. Uh, Under the Skin, I just watched last night with Scarlett. Oh, that's a good one. That's good. I mean, it, it's a mood piece. It's a little slow for Thrill Bill, but, you mm. know. And if we had real liquor, I think we could all do it. A lot of <laughs> until Scarlet got naked, and then everyone would suddenly perk up. So that would be the Thrillville element. Wake up! Wake up! Wake up! Quick! Uh, uh, Fido was a great one that came out in two thousand. Oh yeah, yeah. And that that's also that's like George Romero meets Douglas Sirk. Um, so that's a that's a great film. Uh, another film called um, Oh, this is perfect. Alien Trespass, which is like a. Uh, a modern version of a 50s sci-fi film. They shot it like it was made in the 50s. It's in this deep, vivid technicolor. Alien mm-hmm. Trespass. That's another one. Um, it's kind of like, remember Lost Skeleton of Cadaver, which I showed in Thrillville once. It's kind of like it's kind of like a, a campy version. Although they do they play it pretty straight. So I definitely show that. But uh, like I said, my tastes have kind of devolved since then. So I'd probably be showing a lot of nasty stuff. Um, I mean, nastier. No. <laughs> But I'm trying to think of stuff people would know about from the past several years. I actually have broader, broader taste than you'd think from what I've been talking about. So, uh, <laughs> but that's just one example. Another Ex Machina. I saw that last night too. You know oh, that one? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good one too. See, I really like these kind of mood pieces. I mean, I wasn't so big on mood pieces when I was booking Thrillville because you know people were it was late and they were drinking and you know you had, had to have some action. You had to keep. <laughs> <laughs> Long pauses and like you know, look at that, look at that set design. Uh, <laughs> you know, and of course, you know the newer James Bond movies. I love, I love Daniel Craig because <clears throat> you know James Bond was a big part of Thrillville. I showed all the old 007s. Oh yeah, I mean with Sean Connery, a couple with Roger Moore, mostly Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's, there's actually a lot of. I think it's a great time for cinema, especially for indie cinema. So uh, a lot of that stuff's actually going to streaming. So 
I, they're not even showing it in theaters. What kind of so has to? No one's going to theaters right now. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Well, that, that, that process has been expedited. So, uh, you know, Thrillville is kind of a state of mind and you can do it at home, you know. So there you go. Hey, well, this is the uh, part in the show where we get into our sensor suite. But before we do that, I just want to go round robin and see if there are any last questions or comments that anyone wants to make while we still have Will with us here in uh, this episode of Planet 8. Come on, Bob. Dead silence. <laughs> I was waiting for Karen to go, but... Well, I, I don't know if you know this or not, Will, uh, but the uh, Zoom um, film club that you're doing with the new Parkway, are they going to record that and people can go back and look at it, or is it a live thing and then it's gone? It's live. Okay. It's three. It's probably still going on. I don't know when this is going to air. Okay. Uh, well, through April while the new Parkway is closed. So next week's going to be Pulp Fiction and then Repo Man. I might do Dawn of the Dead, the original, after that. Okay. Well, as far as the censor sweep, Will, uh, if people want to find you, you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter, um, web-wise. Facebook's not open to the public. It's just, uh, it's closed. So just anything you want or care to know about me, if you're interested at all, is at thrillville.net. It's all there. Okay. And we'll make sure we post that on our, our site. Uh, Will, it is a pleasure, my friend. And, uh, we hope to have you on again. I don't know if I have anything left to say, but Bob? Well, we'll have I mean, to have you on when we're talking about a specific movie or genre or something. And and you can just come on and just give opinions. Uh, okay. I mean, but, you know, I might dominate the show with my opinion. So don't ask me. Hey, that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if, uh, if anyone out there wants to grasp the concept of Thrillville or start getting, let's say people are out there and they're watching Avengers and you know the latest Spider-Man or whatever and they want to get into these old B-movies where should they start? You asking me? I'm sorry Jeff. Yeah you're on the show come on. (laughs) (laughs) Trophil.net I mean about where would where would they find these movies? Well how would they start? How would they uh, start getting into this stuff? A lot of them are free on YouTube I mean Roger Corman just posted a a list of movies that are free on um, not YouTube Tubi or something is that what it's called? T-U-B-I? Yeah, Tubi is like a new, like well, a streaming a these, app. Yeah, the, a lot of these things are on, on free on YouTube. But you know what? Like Amazon Prime has a ton of them. Uh, Shudder. I love Shudder. So Shutter, that's my favorite streaming. I mean, they have Joe Bob. Joe, Joe Bob is, is back on. Yeah, too. we have Shudder over here. And Will, a lot of the movies that you've uh, played in Thrillville is listed on Thrillville.net. Uh, yeah, actually, if you go to Facebook, there's a page called Thrillville Theater, and oh, that has okay. a list, that has a list of all the movies I've ever shown. So Thrillville Theater is a public page. So Thrillville Press, Thrillville Theater are both on Facebook, open to the public. I kind of closed the loop on my private page because I was getting harassed. I think it was probably Bob, but <laughs> could be. It could be. <laughs> well, hey, I want to thank you again for coming to Planet Eight. It was good talking to you. I went to Planet 8 never left my, my chair. I love that. That's my comment. <laughs> we'll beam you over next time once we get the interocitor working. Okay, well, good luck with that. Once we're, once we're not doing the social, social distancing and all that. Right. When we can all be in the headquarters. Well, I'll tell you, me and uh, Jazz will be visiting Seattle once this is all lifted, so we'll let you guys know when we're in town. Oh, that'll be awesome, man. So just stay six feet apart and we'll be fine. (laughs) 
Okay. All right, guys. Well, it's great talking to you and seeing you kind of. Yeah, thanks you for coming on. Too. Cheers. The thrill is gone. On that note, this will conclude this transmission from Planet 8. We would like to thank all of our intergalactic audience for listening. Be sure to head on over to our website at www.planet8podcast.blogspot.com where you can get more information on this episode's topic. For more conversation, find us on Twitter at Planet8Cast. Or on Facebook at facebook.com slash planet8podcast. We want to thank you guys for tuning in each and every episode. We look forward to your input and opinions. Until next time, this is Planet 8, signing off. End transmission. By George, he's got it. It is the end. Folks, gather round while I elucidate About a swinging bird not far from the gate Run by a cat by the name of Will And everyone calls him Will the Thrill Now this cat Will is a beatnik king with a leopard fez and a diamond ring And a tiki goddess who looks to kill Zanyam will thrill Chilling neon town Where spies and monsters all abound You catch them drinking side by side By a tiki goddess with emerald eyes Thinking of passing through, will the thrill will welcome you. But careful, cats, don't play the fool. Cousin Cyrilville, Dad, you've got to be cool.
Welcome to 